All right, GM everyone. We're back with another monthly community AMA. Thanks everyone for joining. Uh, we have a bunch of questions in our Discord's AMA questions channel already, so um, I guess I'll get right into them. Oh, before that, I just want to say Merry Christmas to all of you. Hope you had a good holiday. Um, and hopefully your holiday is continuing until we get past New Year's, at least. <laughs> Anyways, back to the AMA. Yeah, let's get started. So first question we have, Otto asks, uh, maybe we need a little more aping in at Lefinity. Can Durden embrace the ape? Bull market vibes. Uh, yeah, I think I, I have more embraced the ape. Some people can probably tell from um, some Twitter posts slash things I've been saying in the Discord server. Um, as it says in, uh, what was it, Ecclesiastes, that book of wisdom, there is a time for everything, a time to ape and a time to FUD. In bear markets, it is good to FUD because then we get lower prices and cheaper buybacks. But in the bull, it is time to accept the pump into your life and uh, join the pump which others have created. Shout out to Chad Duncan. <laughs> if you know, you know. All right, next question we have Taste. Asks, as DEX gains more importance, will Lefinity have a way to stay profitable if price discovery switches from centralized exchanges to decentralized exchanges. So my answer to this question is basically like a probably no, because we are in fact very reliant on um, the way things are, namely how price discovery happens on centralized exchanges and uh, there is like some price discovery on decentralized exchanges as well, but definitely less. And that's what that's like where our advantage comes from. We, we have like this information about price that's more accurate than the information you can get just from decentralized exchanges. So this balance of price discovery is quite important to us. In a scenario where price discovery is mostly happening on decentralized exchanges. And in fact, there are assets for which that is true. Um, two that I can think of off the top of my head are MNDE, it's Marinade's governance token, and the Orca token. I think both of those mostly price discovery happens on decentralized exchanges. Another example might be Bonk uh, before its huge run-up. Um, so like the first, say, like eight months or whatever of this year. Um, price discovery was not happening on centralized exchanges. And maybe it wasn't even listed. But as soon as like it started popping and then like tons of people started buying it on centralized exchanges. So price discovery moved there. And that's when our bonk pool started to really work effectively because of that. <laughs> And until then, it didn't. It just had 
um, it just wasn't doing well because centralized exchange price wasn't really reflecting um, where price was going earlier than it than it did on de decentralized exchanges. Uh, let's see. Uh, give me a second. All right, so someone said they can't hear me on Discord, which is weird because I'm not muted. Uh, let's see. What am I doing wrong? And I was just on a call yesterday and everything was fine. Let's see. Hmm. Did this happen last time too? It did, didn't it? And then the next day I checked with someone from our Discord and they confirmed that they could hear me fine. <laughs> This is really weird. I'm not sure why it keeps happening. Um, hmm. Yeah, I guess, you know, this is just a bad time to try to debug this. So I'm just going to say, once again, this sucks, but please head to Twitter to hear the remainder of <laughs> this AMA. Um, just post your questions in AMA questions, and you'll have to listen over there. Uh, let me type this out for everyone on Discord real quick. Alrighty, I'm just going to get back to the questions. Yeah, um, so just to return to Taste's question. Um, yeah, so like, if price discovery is happening on decentralized exchanges, then the Oracle price is basically less accurate than the price on decentralized exchanges. So if, if we're trading at a less accurate price, that means... We're, we're going to be making bad trades. Um, so yeah, it like wouldn't work. So yeah, who knows what the future will look like, but uh, yeah, that, that balance is definitely important to us. Um, and I think it is necessary. All right, uh, Scorch asks when S, referring to project S, um, yeah soon <laughs> tm um yeah we just recently like a, a day or so ago finished the first um iteration of the smart contract actually we had finished it before but then we realized we could make some um design improvements so we had to rewrite some things so yeah now that's complete so we'll begin testing shortly um, maybe all of that means nothing to you guys, <laughs> but yeah, that is what I can say for now. All right. Next question. Otto asks in a recent podcast, Mike Cahill said the pull model for Pith on non Solana chains would eventually come here as well. I believe this means a charge for high frequency price quotes. Has the team thought about or modeled this eventuality? And if not, maybe you could reach out to Pith to discuss. 
My guess is that pith will offer token offsets and will also be amenable to input and or slow rolling any such plan. Uh, we haven't talked to pith about that. I'm sure if they were to do this, I assume now it would go through governance. Um, and I, I guess, I mean, my, my, my gut reaction is to say like we would probably be against this and probably some other pro uh, some other projects on, Sol on Solana too. I guess the thing is um, the publishing on Solana, I assume like Pith Foundation or whatever is paying for that. And I guess <laughs> on second thought, maybe Pith governance does not govern that. They don't govern whether um, Pith publishes to every slot on Solana or not. It's kind of like a like a it's a charitable thing they're doing. Um, it was definitely good for them to gain adoption because it's just so useful, right? But I don't think it's making them any revenue or anything. So yeah, if that does happen, um, the thing for us is like, if it becomes a pull model, that's just not fast enough for us. Um, so we would, if they stopped publishing every slot and switched to a pull model, um, we would probably just stop using Pith because it would just be too slow. We might still use it as a backup, <clears throat> but yeah, probably not. And so what we would do instead is just use our own Oracle alone. Uh, we already have our own Oracle, not for every asset that we market make for, but for some of them, like it's especially important for Sol. Um, yeah, so we'd probably rely on that solely if this happened, which would be unfortunate, but uh, um, yeah, hopefully it doesn't happen any anytime soon. I don't really, I'm not familiar with like Pith plans for this, the exact details of it, but yeah. We'll see what happens. And then follow-up question maybe. Otto says, thoughts from the team on taking step steps to further bulletproof the protocol? For example, grow the treasury of idle assets so the loss of any X number of pools will not make impact, will not impact the net asset value more than 1%. <clears throat> uh, let's see, what would that mean? Wouldn't that mean that our net asset value would have to be at least 100x the size of our largest pool? So that if we lost everything in that largest pool, we'd still have 99% left. Uh, which would mean a ton of idle assets, I think. Uh, I'm not sure what our largest pool is. Let's just say it's like 1 million. That means we need 100 million in total assets. And we have like 10 million in the pools or something. So then 90% would be idle. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the, the purpose of doing what you suggest here in this example would be. 
It's like, yes, we get this this metric where, yeah, if we lose everything in any single pool <coughs> or any X number of pools, I guess you say, um, the impact will still be small. <coughs> but uh, it seems like an arbitrary metric. metric. Um, like it's basically just increasing the ratio of your idle assets to your assets that are in pools. So, yeah, I'm not sure what the purpose of that would be. But I didn't finish your question, so I'm going to continue reading. So, auto continues. Like the fat, quote, fat finger trade in Lefinity USDC, uh, parentheses, cash can be in a vault or stable pair off platform, earning interest so we don't lose too much in returns. Uh, I guess he's uh, referring to the recent. Chad Duncan, um, 260k purchase of Lifinity, which uh, caused a bug in our pool to manifest, <laughs> and we we lost in total 500k. Um, another idea is funding a bug a bug bounty. We could potentially fund this by halting buybacks to set to a set dollar target, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, so I mean, there are tons of things that we could do to uh, make the protocol more bulletproof, as you put it. Um, I've <coughs> I've talked about this elsewhere. Basically, it's a matter of priorities. Um. And like we're very open to what the the community wants us to do. So for example, if like the whole community says we should prioritize an audit over like anything else over opening pools or project S or uh, optimizing existing pools or anything. And I don't think we'd have much of an option but to comply with what the community wants. Um, but yeah, there, there are real costs associated with getting an audit, both money and time. And the general vibe I get from the community is that, I mean, they certainly do care about security, like who doesn't, of course. But it's also like not the community's highest priority. Like, there aren't many people, there's basically no one, like, that are saying things like, what are the hell, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, hurry up and get an audit. Uh, and, like, pressuring us to um, prioritize that. So, yeah, for the time being, we've prioritized um, opening new pools and optimizing existing ones and working on project S. And then we have the uh, front end of our website, our UI to redo. <coughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, but again, like we're still open to changing course. So um, yeah, if that's what people are interested in most, I guess, let us know. I think 
Like, other than doing an audit, I'm not sure what else would be super meaningful. Bug bounty is hard because we're not open source, and we remain closed source for a reason. So an audit would probably be preferable. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's all I have to say on that topic. So moving on to the next question, we have... Actually, I'm going to take a sip. Seems like I'm coughing a lot. <clears throat> all right. So Duncan, a.k.a. Chaduncan, asks, what is the current bottleneck for Lifinity becoming responsible for a larger percent of DEX volume on Solana? Seems like it's not capital constrained given the large idle treasury. So what is preventing Lifinity from doing more volume? Any readings slash help in understanding this would really would be really appreciated. <laughs> yeah, so I guess this is kind of a common question we get. It's like uh, we have all this idle liquidity. So why don't we just deposit more of it into our pools? And uh, I think the reason people feel that way is because they're used to the standard DEX model where the more liquidity you have, the better it is because you're just trying to maximize volume. That is the only thing you're optimizing for. And so all else being equal, if you have more TVL, you have more liquidity and therefore you're going to get more volume. But Lifinity doesn't work like that. And the reason is we care about impermanent loss. So we're not only optimizing for volume, we're also optimizing for what we call market mark <laughs> excuse me market making profit uh, which is basically in a sense the the reverse of impermanent loss um those who are more familiar with us know that uh, because we use an oracle we can generate a profit from market making so like even before we generate any fees we can generate a profit from selling high or buying low and selling high and that's the source of market making profit. Uh, relatedly, the opposite of that, buying high and selling low, is basically the source of impermanent loss. Uh, it's when you sell an asset as it goes up in price so that you end up with more of the less valuable asset or vice versa. So, <clears throat> yeah, back to the question. Lifinity's goal is to maximize revenue. And so that means maximizing fees plus market making profit. So if we increase TVL, that will mean more volume, but it also means a greater risk of impermanent loss or put it differently, uh, the risk of less market making profit. So when you increase TVL, when you increase liquidity, you have to ask, is the increase in fees that results from increasing liquidity going to be larger than the decrease in market-making profit resulting from this extra liquidity. And the current levels of our uh, liquidity are precisely those points where we think it maximizes uh, fees plus market-making profit. And so there's actually no more need to add more liquidity. Um, it would reduce profitability. Let's see, let me read your question one more time. 
Yeah, so what's the bottleneck for Lifinity becoming responsible for a larger percent of DEX volume on Solana? Uh, basically, there is none. Uh, we're, we, we're currently capturing as much as we want to. Um, and no more. We could capture more by, for example, like concentrating more or same level of concentration, but just adding more liquidity. But this would reduce market making profit. And so on net, it would just be less profitable. So we have no incentive to. Um, basically, we're not aspiring to be the largest DEX on Solana um, because that's not our ultimate goal. It's Our ultimate goal isn't to have the most volume. Um, volume, you know, ultimately it's a vanity metric. What we really care about is uh, generating a profit. So um, that's what we optimize everything towards. And for that reason, like we look very different than um, other DEXs, right? We don't accept deposits. Um, the way to get uh, exposure to our pools is to buy our tokens, which is like, I don't think any other DEX does that, right? Because <laughs> they don't have protocol owned liquidity. Other DEXs don't have protocol owned liquidity. So, like, <coughs> we're just like fundamentally different in a number of ways. And so, yeah, it can be like counterintuitive at first to think about what Lefinity is doing. It makes you wonder, like, why, why isn't Lefinity adding more liquidity when it has so much idle? assets but yeah that's the reason all right next question we have alfro asks do we know what's going on with goat swap the site has been down for a few weeks now yeah so uh i've reached out to ben from jupiter uh a couple times and uh the first time i reached out he said it's not intentional. Uh, so they had, they're not like planning to shut it down or whatever. And uh, I assume like, just cause like basically no one uses the site. Um, maybe it's just us now. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, <coughs> they probably didn't really notice that it was down. And uh, it's probably not much of a priority either to get it back up. But anyways, I'm I'm confident our assets are fine there. Um, but yeah, I'll remind him one more time about this. Uh, second time I asked him, he didn't respond. Um, but responded to other things I we talked about. So, but anyways, yeah, I'm sure everything is fine. But uh, as you know, like Jupiter is probably like very busy too. So they have a ton going on. All right, next question. Madshu wants to know when new UI. Yeah, that is also in our to-do list, as you know. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of um, improvements that we really need. So uh, it's definitely in the works, fear not. <clears throat> uh, my persona asks, do we see ourselves evolving beyond a market maker in the background to a brand that trade traders remember? Um, so I asked to clarify 
uh, I, I asked, uh, do you mean like a front end that people come to trade at? And he said, yeah, so. Um, that is not a direction we are heading toward. Um, that entails like a very different strategy. And I think one that is basically like not a good idea. So the reason is um, if we're gonna compete on being a front end, you basically need to um, convince retail that trading at your venue is good. If you're just one DEX among many, then uh, you basically have to try to keep your users ignorant about the fact that there is an almighty aggregator on Solana and it will always give you at least as good of a price and usually a better price. And so, you know, the fact is there is no reason to trade on a single DEX. And uh, <laughs> like telling, telling your users otherwise is basically just like fooling them. Um, but yeah, like Orca and Radium, they've, they've been such major DEXs on Solana for so long and they're like the most well-known. They do liquidity mining incentives, so they have the most liquidity. So some people still swap on them to their own detriment. Um, it's not like Jupiter has worse UX. I mean, it's probably the best. So like, I think there's still some education to go there. But anyways, like, so we don't want to enter that competition. And if we're not doing that, the only other viable way to become a, a brand front end that people want to come to trade at is to become an aggregator. So basically we would be competing with Jupiter. Uh, those who have been with us for a long time probably know that we initially were an aggregator as well. We were a market maker plus an aggregator. And this was like before Jupiter even launched. <clears throat> and like we and Jupiter were launching at about the same time. And we saw Jupiter and we're like, Maybe we don't want to do both of these things because it'll be tough to compete with Jupiter while also being a market maker. <clears throat> so we just focused on being a market maker and uh, left the uh, the uh, aggregator part behind. And uh, we integrated Jupiter into our front end for that reason because uh, we do care about our users getting the best price. Yeah, so anyways, I don't think this strategy would make sense for us. Um, so yeah, it's not something we're going to be pursuing. Uh, another question from my persona. Also, how do you define book value? Quote, token holdings of treasury excluding Lifinity-related holdings divided by total Lifinity tokens 100 million minus Lifinity owned by the treasury. Um, yeah, so book value is... Like, uh, intuitively, it's just the, uh, you divide the total number or uh, the uh, total amount of assets, dollar value of assets in your treasury by the amount of circulating Lefinity tokens. So, yeah, if, if you call 
everything that Lafinity Dow owns the treasury. And it's just the treasury divided by the circulating supply. Um, yeah, that's basically it. And it's basically what you wrote down, but just stated in different terms, I guess. All right, Duncan says, any hints slash information about Project S would be cool. Yes, uh, many people are asking. <laughs> right now, we don't have any more information to share. Uh, if you do ask questions, like maybe I can answer it, maybe I can't. Like sometimes people ask questions in the chat and if it's, uh, if it's something I, I am able to answer because it doesn't reveal information that we don't, yet want to make public then I can't answer it uh, sometimes I can't so uh, it just depends on the question but yeah I mean feel free to ask questions and maybe I can answer it uh, next he says project s equals sanctum uh, no that is uh, uh, Socian the formerly they, they for formerly were Socian the uh, liquid staking protocol uh, and they also did like a, a bonding protocol as well. But yeah, now they've pivoted to Sanctum, which seems to be uh, working out pretty well. So that's cool. Um, Let's see. Agaki asks, what, it, what, is, what does the Lefinity team think the Lefinity token market cap should be as of now? Uh, we don't have, really have an opinion about price. You know... <coughs> It, that's something for the market to determine. Um, and, you know, everyone has their own, like, valuation methodology. Like, maybe some people think it should be the uh, the book value. Some people think it's, like, uh, discounted cash flows. And, I don't know, I'm sure there's many others as well. I don't really do valuation models, so it's not like I know a lot about this. But, uh, yeah. Um, no opinion, really whatever the market thinks it should be. <laughs> uh, White Turtle Bill says, okay, let me take a sip first. <sighs> Throat's really killing me today. I don't know why. <clears throat> All right, White Turtle Bill says, when will the render USDC pool be added to the dashboard? Is testing going well? Um, so... We started testing before, and I think I mentioned somewhere in the chat that uh, the send or one, I forgot which one, one of the prices on either centralized exchanges or on decentralized exchanges, or I should say um, <laughs> the Oracle price was either two cents, like co consistently two cents too high or too low above or below the uh, centralized exchange price. And so basically the Oracle wasn't accurate enough for us to be able to use. <coughs> this can improve over time as um, the people providing the quotes improve their methodology or um, new um, data providers join um, the people publishing the price feed for render. So yeah, hopefully it improves over time. Right now our pool is idle um, just because like uh, it didn't go well. And yeah, we're just we, we're just monitoring it to see if it'll change. But yeah, right now it's idle. It's not active. 
unfortunately. Would be a great tool. I mean, just like HNT probably could capture a bunch of volume and market making profit. Hopefully one day. All right, Otto says, there are exogenous bottlenecks though, right? Uh, uh, I should say uh, he's responding to probably what I responded to uh, the question given by Duncan about what's the current bottleneck for Lifinity becoming responsible for a larger percent of DEX volume on Solana. So Otto says, there are exogenous bottlenecks though, right? Solana needs more token pairs with pith feeds, more Sol USDC volume and other things. Please expand here. Yeah, so <clears throat> if we're talking not about like capturing a larger share of volume, but rather like opening new pools, then yeah, there are um, often uh, bottlenecks. So one of them I just talked about with like the render token, um, if the Oracle price isn't accurate, then we really can't use it. Uh, that was true of Bonk, or actually no, that's not true. Um, that just had the uh, price discovery backwards. So that's a different issue. <laughs> so that's another one. Um, some tokens don't even have a PIF price feed. So that's one. Another one is uh, if other decentralized exchanges on Solana don't have enough liquidity because our pools arbitrage between our pools and other pools. And that's um, like a significant source of um, volume that we get just like arbitraging other pools. So the more liquidity that other protocols have, the better it is for us actually. Um, if they increase their liquidity, then we can um, increase ours by a commensurate amount. And uh, like we would be capturing the same percent of volume basically, <clears throat> but we get uh, the total amount of volume we're capturing on, on an absolute basis is greater. So it's more fees for us, so that'd be good. Um, anyways, back to your question of bottlenecks. Uh, let's see, did I miss any? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess you could call another bottleneck is um, if like a token doesn't have enough trading volume to begin with, then it's usually like just not worth it for us. Um, but yeah, I think that probably covers the bottlenecks. So yeah, like when it comes to opening new pools, we do need like a few things to line up for it to be possible to begin with. Um, and that is like, you know, I mean, it's definitely a downside about how our protocol works. Whereas like other DEXs, you, you know, you can just open a pool. You can even make it permissionless. But for us, like it requires optimization and, uh, like these conditions need to be met so in that sense like you know we're just fundamentally less scalable and that's unfortunate but it's a trade-off we accept because um the model is also just like very profitable it's the most profitable dex model on solana right now so okay all right mr crush asks Apologies if this question has been raised before. I was, I was actively in the Discord channel, but may have missed any discussion. I'm curious about the possibility of implementing a feature where we can burn our flares in exchange for 95% of their value, with the remaining 5% contributing to the DAO fund. 
As highlighted by the insightful observation of the white turtle, each time a flare is burnt, it has the potential to elevate the overall value of the flares. From my perspective, this seems like a positive development. What are the chances of such a mechanism being considered? Uh, well, I will tell you that it has been considered, um, and we've we've said it's possible. Um, the issue, as I see it, is mainly to do with demand <clears throat> from flare holders. Actually, like not too long ago, a week or two or something, I know I did a like an informal vote in the uh, the Inferno channel. Uh, I just asked like who would be interested in implementing something like this and uh there's some people who desire it but there's also there might have even been like more people who are against it um so what the people against it don't like is the fact that the uh total amount of assets owned by the flares like all their ve affinity would decrease um and they i think they understand that if if this mechanism was implemented it would um, be something that increases the book value of flares so each time like um, someone redeems a flare for their share of ve affinity that would mean the amount of ve affinity for the remaining flares would increase because they're leaving that 5%. It's like they're contributing it to the Dow Fund. And so that proportionally increases the VE affinity that belongs to the remaining flares that uh, were not uh, redeemed for VE affinity. So I think they understand that, but they still don't like it because it um, reduces the total amount of assets owned by Flare Dow. Um, yeah, so that was, that was, uh, when I gauged the, uh, the community, it seemed like that's where most people were. And I also didn't see like super strong demand from, especially from like larger holders, because this, this is who it would be mainly be for. Um, we would probably want to do this as like a one-time thing. Um, I don't think we ha we would have time to develop like a automated program that can do this on a continuous basis. So it'd be like a one-time. Okay, if you're interested in doing a redemption, please send your flares here, and then we'll send you Xlafinity, like something like that. Um, but yeah, there weren't many large holders who were interested in this either. And so, like, if it's just going to be, like, a few people that we're doing this for, we think it's not worth it. Like, if we're going to spend time, like, making this happen, we want it to be for um, a lot of people. But yeah, we just didn't see the demand. So, yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, obviously, those things can change. So, uh... Yeah, and I mean, I think the community is continuing to discuss it. So who knows? Maybe it'll change. Maybe it won't. But that, yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. Uh, 
All right, next D asks, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you to launch Project S? Let's see. <laughs> hmm, how excited am I? Hmm. Hard to encapsulate in a number. I guess maybe one thing I will say is the thing that excites me most about Project S is the fact that it can integrate with such a wide variety of protocols and assets that its scope is uh, extremely wide <laughs> and uh that excites me a lot um it's definitely something i wish solana had like i would be a user of it so in that sense it also excites me and i'm really glad it's being built yeah i guess i will answer it that way <laughs> Mr. Crush asks, any plans to get the word out about Lefinity and its NFTs to a wider base? We seem massively unheard of to lots of people I speak to. <coughs> yeah, definitely, like, especially relatively speaking, compared to, like, Orca and Radium, definitely true. Um, They've been along, they've been around longer. They uh, They have VCs who will spread the word for them and uh we'll make more noise on twitter they do paid marketing um <laughs> and so when you look at it like that though they have larger teams it's kind of an uphill battle if you look at it like that um but you know like i think recently there's been a ton of um organic um i don't know what you would call it because it's not exactly marketing there's been a a lot of organic discussion about Lefinity happening on uh, Twitter. And that's just purely based on the fundamentals of Lefinity. Like, uh, and like <laughs> when people learn about us, you know, they're very often surprised, like, because we're just so different, right? Um, like, we don't do liquidity mining, we have no VCs. We're profitable, we distribute profit to token holders, we do buybacks, we increase liquidity, we have protocol-owned liquidity. Um, we have closed pools. Um, we have VE tokens. Uh, there's probably some other things, but yeah, like we're, we're just like very different on like almost every aspect you look at us. <laughs> uh, we're extremely capital efficient. Our APRs are insane and organic. Uh, sometimes so amazing they look scammy. Um, yeah, so... And, like, people have been talking about these things because when people, like, see them, they read about it for the first time, they're like, wow, <laughs> I didn't know. It's crazy that something like this exists. At least, like, that's how... I see some people reacting. 
Yeah, so, and I think that is, that's the most valuable type of marketing is just like word of mouth, spontaneous people doing it, not for a reward, just because they're interested in it and they like it. Like that's the best thing, right? And you can't buy that. Um, you can't, yeah, you can't buy that with money. So it's been really great to see all that um, discussion on Twitter recently. <clears throat> I think for us as the team, like uh, we do just want to keep focus on optimizing <clears throat> because if you focus on like the fundamentals, the things that really matter for a DEX, <clears throat> then people will notice that and they'll talk about it and they'll do the marketing for you, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, and I guess I, I will say <clears throat> that would be different if we, um, if we were looking for more people to deposit into our pools. If we were open and we wanted more liquidity, then there's, you know, a very good chance that we'd be taking a different approach because we want people to deposit and you need to be more aggressive about letting people know. <clears throat> so like different models require different strategies, different focuses. <clears throat> and I, I just say that because you might see us um, doing things differently for Project S because Project S will not will be different from Lefinity in a number of ways. And one that I've mentioned before is that it'll be open for deposits. It won't be a closed pool protocol like Lefinity. <clears throat> uh, it'll be like most other protocols where the more TVL, the better, essentially. So yeah, that will, that will mean we will want to approach um, how we communicate about the protocol differently. So yeah, just wanted to mention that. <clears throat> All right, uh, Knight Semplar asks, any rough estimates date-wise on more info slash launch of Project S? Uh, we're aiming for January slash February. But uh, yeah, we're, I mean, no guarantees there. But that's what we're aiming for. So yeah. Lord Prinz asks, who do you look up to in Web3? Uh, let's see. This is kind of a cliche answer, but I really do look up to Anatoly. I just love the way he interacts with people. Um, it's, uh, I think it's not easy to do. Maybe it comes to them naturally. I don't know. But um, there's like never getting antagonistic like even when there's disagreements just being super amicable and just talking about the facts and not getting like emotional even when like uh, people are spreading false information <laughs> like it's it's incredible to have a founder like that because i've seen founders of <coughs> other ecosystems and uh some of them are like very cringe 
I won't name any. But uh yeah, so that's incredible. Um who else? Let's see. I mean, <laughs> this is also kind of cliche. But uh I also like Mert. Mert uh <laughs> He, and I, I, I like him, like, almost for, like, what is sort of the opposite reason that I like Tully. Like, Mert's just so aggressive. Like, <laughs> like, he's not afraid to uh, say not nice things to people. And, like, I usually, like, for myself anyways, I usually consider that to be a bad idea. Like, it just comes off as a ad hominem sometimes. But in Mert's case, like... <laughs> he usually re reserves the, uh... The, uh... The insulting name-calling to when, like... People say things that are so... Um, stupid or, like, lacking in research as to, like, warrant it. <laughs> and, uh... Like I would I would hate to be to have like his role of being that guy. Cause I imagine it must be like really stressful just like doing that all the time. Um because like if I were writing those things, you know, it would it would create negative emotions in me and I wouldn't really want to experience that. But like he, he just keeps going at it. <laughs> just like nonstop. And uh and at the same time, like he's very um knowledgeable about like uh the engineering side of things so um like he's able to like if say if, if someone says something uninformed he's able to inform inform them about the facts <coughs> uh which is you know super useful because that's what we ultimately want right we're not trying to like or yeah from my perspective anyways there's, there's really no point in like just pissing people off which is why I th I think like name calling usually is just like not very effective, and <laughs> should be reserved for cases where you think there's there's just no hope of redemption. I guess. Um, usually you want to correct people's errors so that they can um, change their perspective, and have a more accurate one. Um, and he does a ton of that too, right? Um, yeah. So those are two that immediately came to mind hmm who do I look up to <laughs> yeah I don't know I gave two cliche answers oh well I'm just gonna leave it there all right uh let's see Um, let's see. Okay, Lord Prinz asks, are you saying that it's really certain that all idle funds of Lifinity will be used for Project S? Also, can we add a DAO decide not to provide funds for Project S? Uh, let's see. I think you missed a, you might have missed a word there or something. Can we add a DAO 
decision not to provide funds for Project S. I assume that's the gist of what you're asking. Um, so if we wanted to use all our idle funds for Project S, it would not be difficult at all. Um, and like technically, yeah, Lifinity DAO could refuse to provide or use its assets for Project S. But I assume that has a very low probability of occurring. I basically assume it's impossible. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, using all the assets will not be a problem at all. Yeah. Uh, Junior Floyd said he chucked some questions in Twitter text box for me. Let's see. Is this a new feature? Well, regardless, I'm just going to read them. All right, so... Uh, okay, here we go. So Jordan on Twitter, jordan.soldegen. I know you never price speculate, but where do you see Lifinity could be in two years from now in an ideal world? Do you feel pri the prices of Lifinity will be most impressive or revenue payouts on VE Lifinity will be the biggest aggregator to the project? Um, psh, huh. In an ideal world, where are we two years from now? In an ideal world, um, Solana has taken over the entire crypto space and 90% of on-chain uh, dollar-denominated activity occurs on Solana. <laughs> And uh, so that's one thing. Another thing is um, people continue to provide liquidity on concentrated liquidity market makers for us to arbitrage against. Um, and I think in an ideal world, we'd basically be essentially where we are right now. And just like the numbers would be different. Um, so, like, we're capturing as much volume as we want to by t um, having that perfect balance between uh, capturing as much volume as we want to, but not taking on too much risk of impermanent loss. And then just, you know, steadily making fees, um, adding new pools as new tokens arise. Um, price discovery is still happening on centralized exchanges for the most part. Um, stuff like that. Uh, like, Lifinity, basically, in its form, it's, it's like, mature. <coughs> uh, perhaps one change might be, like, if we just keep expanding with, by adding new pools, uh, we might need more idle liquidity if we run out sometime. So we could either use, like, revenue in one way or another to deposit into new pools or we could sell Lifinity to raise more funds. Um, but yeah, the the ideal world does not look too different from what it is right now. Um, 
And then whether price, Lifinity price will be more impressive or revenue payouts to VE Lifinity. Um, hard to know like where the general um, like crypto project will be at in two years later. Like will revenue distribution be a normal thing or not? I think that might be the key differentiator. Like, Cause right now, like it's quite unique for us that we distribute revenue. There's very few projects that do that. Um, so right now anyways, like that's a feature that makes us stand out more. Um, yeah, I guess that's like, I, I really don't know <laughs> which one will be more impressive. And two years is like a super long time. So really hard to have like any good opinions about that far out. All right, another question from Jordan it says, is Project S being built for multiple chains or just Solana? Uh, right now we're just building it for Solana. There's like some chains that use the, uh, the SVM. And so like we'd be able to just port our code over without like making any changes. So in that sense, um, like those are the the uh, the alternative chains that we're considering most heavily because it would require the least effort for us to expand there. But uh, we also need, uh, like I was explaining earlier, we need other DEXs on these other chains first and for them to have good liquidity uh, so we can arbitrage against their liquidity. The... Yeah, we we can't like launch on them like right from the start either. All right. Ooh, we got one more question from Nagia or Nagaya. Sorry if I mispronounced that. They ask, do we plan to introduce to uh or do we plan to list on any centralized exchange? Um, not right now. So as far as I can tell, the main reason that anyone wants to list on a centralized exchange is for the hype and for the uh, the inevitable pump and token price that it brings. Um, so two things that are unique about us, or maybe more than two. <laughs> um, one is we don't really care too much about price because there's there's good things about high price and there's good things about low price. When it's high price, you know, token holders can take a can take profit more profitably. If price is low, then uh, we get to buy back cheaper. So like either way, we're kind of okay. In any case, like our goal is not to pump price. We're trying to maximize revenue. And listing on a centralized exchange doesn't really contribute to that. Because another thing that makes us different is, and I also talked about earlier, is that we're not really looking for external depositors because we're, our pools are closed. And so when you list on a centralized exchange, you know, more people hear about you. It's like, oh, what's this new token? But uh, for us, that doesn't really do anything besides enable more people to buy our token. 
which again, you know, the, the purpose of that would just be to pump the price. So again, like this doesn't really serve our ultimate goal of trying to increase revenue. Um, and in fact, you know, you could argue it's, it's it would be negative because you almost always have to pay to get listed. Um, and if you didn't pay, that would probably mean that you'd have to market make for your own token. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's like, it's not impossible that we do that at some point, but yeah, definitely not a priority. Um, and then like, uh, another thing is our token is most useful on chain because that's the only place where you can get VE Lafinity and receive, uh, your share of protocol revenue. So, you know, we, we mainly want to cater to our holders who are willing to lock their tokens. And uh, if they're buying on a centralized exchange, they are not those people. Um, that kind of self-selects for the people who are just speculating on token price, which is fine to do. Like, we're not saying that's like evil or anything. <laughs> It's just like not the the main purpose of the token. <clears throat> so yeah, um, we have no strong incentive to pursue a centralized exchange listing. Let's see. Yeah, thanks for the uh, questions on Twitter. Uh, used to be that you could only, like, uh, speak your questions. So it's good that people can write them out now. Let's see. All right, we have another question on uh, Discord. Epromino says, what is the update on the BLZE rewards that we get from max locking BLZE and vote for our pool? Are you aware of their plans to reduce their BLZE token emissions to half within the next 30 days? <clears throat> so yeah, right now we receive those rewards. I don't think we've done anything with them. Uh, if I remember correctly, we haven't voted on what to do with the rewards. So we could um, lock those as well. We could sell them. Uh, those are probably the two main options. So I guess we should vote on that. And, uh, yes, I am aware that there, the happening is coming soon. But, uh, I think the happening doesn't affect us much. I mean, obviously our rewards will be less, but so will everyone else's, so commensurate decrease in um, reward tokens that can be sold. So yeah, on net, like no change essentially. Okay. All right, I think uh, that answers all the questions, but uh, yeah, still I will be here for more for a while anyways. So keep your questions coming if you got any. Uh, 
Junior Floyd says, haven't been here too long. Did we confirm Project S is Sanctum? Uh, no. Sanctum is totally separate from us. San Sanctum is cool. I like it. But uh, it's not us. Uh, JCX04 says, any news on the Pith airdrop for protocols? Yeah, so basically they contacted us uh, with the amount they were planning to give us and like the process by which we would uh, get it. So we've done the whole thing. We're just waiting for them now. Uh, I assume like they're waiting on other projects to go through that process. And once everyone does, they'll uh, deliver the uh, airdrop. Yeah. And then uh, you will find out about the details. I don't think I'm... I'm, I, I should talk. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it, so I'm just gonna not talk about the details. <laughs> You'll find out the amount soon enough. Um, let's see. Epromino asks, "How do you feel about the 2.5 billion volume for this month?" Insane. <laughs> it was just uh, as insane. Like, I did not expect Soul to do so well this fast. I expected it to do well, but definitely not this fast. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> that's like the main thing that contributed to this massive volume. But also, uh, I will say, all the optimizations that the... Uh, the devs, Luffy and Zoro, have been doing throughout the bear market, they definitely paid off um, during like this this huge move. Um, it's the optimizations that enabled us to like capture so much volume. Um, so I will say all that testing did pay off, and it will continue to pay off. Um, but yeah, th that was just great to see. Uh, Junior Floyd says, do you worry about competitors eating into uh, Lefinity's market share? Uh, not really. Like, our main competitors are uh, market makers on central, central limit order books. So they are... They definitely also use Oracle prices implicitly. Uh, probably inaccurate to say Oracle prices, but so anyone has access to like centralized exchange prices because they just publish that data for free. So if you're a market maker, you know, you're definitely going to do better if you adjust your price according to <clears throat> wherever price discovery is happening. And so, you know, you want to like put a spread around wherever the current price is. Uh, or at least like that's that's the... <laughs> level one way to think about it so like they are also definitely um you could say like using a similar methodology as us the thing about uh market makers on these order books is that they're able to implement much more complex sophisticated strategies because their logic can be off-chain uh, whereas ours has to be on-chain, so you can't make it, like, uber-complicated. Um, but they can make it as complicated as they want, 
as long as they can run their code fast enough to um, be able to update their prices fast enough so they don't get wrecked by uh, arbitrage trades. Um, and there's a lot of them. Like we're just one protocol, but there is no limit to the number of market makers on a, on a limit order book. So in that sense, like, uh, uh, it can look like tough because like one team versus a potentially limitless number of teams. But so far, like we're still doing very good. Like we're still very competitive, even with all these market makers. Um, yeah, which is great to see. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure how things will change in the future. Maybe it'll continue like this. Um, maybe our optimizations make us gain more share. Maybe new market makers join limit order books and they start to become even more competitive. Uh, things could go any number of ways, but yeah, I wouldn't say I'm really worried. Um, yeah. Mr. Crush asks, what are we going to do with our jupe allocation? Uh, that's for the Lefinity DAO to decide. So uh, people will have to make proposals. <laughs> Uh, I currently don't really have a strong opinion. I haven't really thought about it much either. So yeah, I, I don't really have much to add there right now anyways. Um, let's see. Junior Floyd asks, I've seen a thread about Solana having to pay a majority of the transaction fees, hence why it's so cheap. Do you know how much truth there is to that slash if if it's sustainable for Solana long term if it is true yeah I uh, I saw that thread and I didn't read it so I, I don't know like the details but I assume what they mean is um Solana is paying for a transaction fee what they, what they're really saying is um Solana has uh, inflation because it issues new soul to validators, uh, which by the way is true of any proof of stake uh, blockchain. Um, so, <laughs> so basically I think what they were doing is just like reframing um, a bunch of words. And I don't think the way they try to reframe it is accurate. Um, so transaction fees are what users pay to use a network. They're saying like, uh, if this inflation is basically subsidizing, um, transaction fees, um, so that validators can remain profitable or in other words, what they kind of want to say, I think is. If you got rid of all the inflation, 
transaction fees won't be enough to incentivize validators because transaction fees are so small. I think that's kind of what they're trying to say. At least I assume so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think that's really an accurate way to think about it because um, yeah, I, I, should, I should just see the thread so I can talk about it more eloquently with a more informed opinion, but uh, um, and like uh, the whole like fees discussion, which there's a lot of discussion around or discussion about it on Solana right now, because Solana's fee mechanism definitely isn't perfect. There's a lot of room for improvement. Um, so it's really good that people are talking about it. Um, but. And I, I think there is, you know, an element of truth where, um, like Solana's strategy is to like undercharge for fees initially, until you get to this point of adoption where, um, even though like um, each fee is still tiny in total, because there's so many people using it. In total, it it is sustainable, um, and validators are um, making enough from that. But anyways, yeah, I, I don't really see a major problem, or like, and I don't really agree with this framing of like a Solana paying for transaction fees. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just inaccurate. Even though I know I didn't really give a very coherent rebuttal there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I feel like I'm confident I could if I wanted to. All right. Uh, let's see. A promino asks, last month, the book value of Xlafinity was zero, or we'll just say 35 cents. And then this month, the book value of Xlafinity is 53 cents, a 50% increase. What would be the major factors affecting the book value of Xlafinity? Is it the sole price appreciation from 60 to $100? I assume that market making profit is implicitly included in the book value. Yeah, so two things, and you mentioned them both. Uh, one is just a appreciation of the assets that we hold. That's probably like most, if not all of the assets we hold, so sole, in all its forms, like MSOL, GeoSOL, BSOL, um, uh, HNT, GMT, Bonk, ETH, uh, Ray, maybe some others. Yeah. Uh, oh, and even uh, Lifinity, because even though we don't count the value of Lifinity, in the pool or in our treasury, because in the event that we shut down and redeem assets for their underlying um, assets, <clears throat> those Lifinity wouldn't receive anything because they just belong to the protocol. However, if the price of Lifinity increases, that means there's more USDC in the Lifinity USDC pool. So increased Lifinity price does mean 
uh, more USDC there, which uh, does count toward um, the book value. So there's that. So yeah, appreciation of asset prices is one. And then the other thing is market making profit because the fee, the revenue that we announce just is just fees and doesn't account for market making profit. So yeah, market making profit is also pretty uh, significant, sometimes more than others. And uh, this month was pretty significant because there's so much volatility and that um, creates a great opportunity for market making profit to be generated. So yeah, um, yeah, it's basically those two things that contribute to the increase. <coughs> uh, looks like our book value is now above um, the uh, average VEIDO price. It is nice to see. Actually, I'm not sure if that's true now. I don't know when, what the sole price was when it was calculated, but uh, yeah, we're around there anyways. Average VE IDO price was 48 cents for reference. It looks like uh, Norbert wrote a thread about the, uh, I assume this is about the uh, Solana paying 100 million in fees per month or whatever. Yeah, so check out Norbert's thread on that. Link is in our Discord. Uh, let's see. Okay, Promino says, uh, do you think we can achieve the goal of the price impact for swapping 0 0.00 or 0.01% of the circulating supply is 0.5% next month? Um, let's see, you posted two images. Uh, and the price impact is 0.41% and 0.79%. Uh, and it's trading the same amounts, but in opposite directions for USDC and Lefinity. Um, yeah, so actually I checked in like a spreadsheet. I calculated the uh, price impact, the current price impact. And I think it was 0.92%. Um, so I'm surprised to see these, that both of these numbers are lower. I might have to check that out again. Um, yeah, actually when I was doing that, the reason I, I created a spreadsheet to begin with was because I realized that the price impact on Jupiter is not reliable. The reason being they use CoinGecko's price as the reference but coin gecko's price because coin gecko doesn't support lafinity's pools which we uh just made a tweet about yesterday i think as like 200 likes and uh tons of comments so please join the frenzy to try to get uh coin gecko to support our pools <laughs> but uh, it just has uh orca's pools which have, you know, like very little Lefinity liquidity. And their prices are like wildly off. So like uh, when I did this spreadsheet thing, 
Lifinity price was $1.40, and then the CoinGecko price was $1.20, which is a huge difference. So when you looked at um, the uh, price impact, or 0.01% of the circulating supply, the price impact in one direction was less than 0.1%. Um, and then the other direction, it was like ne it was like 22% uh, or something. And, you know, you get those numbers just because, like, uh, CoinGecko thinks the price is 120. So if you get the sell at 140, it's like, oh, that's an amazing deal. Price impact essentially zero. But then if you uh, buy at 140, it's like, oh, wow. If you, your purchase is making the price move from 120 to 140. So you have this giant price impact, <laughs> uh, which is obviously incorrect so yeah um that's why i had to make my own spreadsheet to check for myself um <clears throat> but yeah um another weird thing i realized is that uh when we first made this proposal i think price impact was 0.87 percent or at least like that's what it was on jupiter which so perhaps that wasn't a reliable number I'm not sure. Um, yeah, maybe that's the reason. But yeah, it, it's weird because, you know, you expect it to go down because you've been adding liquidity. Also, like, price has increased a lot. And I don't know if that impacts price impact. Um, I assumed it wouldn't. It seems weird to me that a change in price would change price impact. Um yeah so but anyways like we're still not at 0.5 percent and you know i also wanted to check the price impacts for orca and ray because when i realized that jupiter is not reliable for price impact i was like oh maybe like our initial estimate which is based on what jupiter was showing us 0.5 percent was not accurate so i tried to check those um but uh yeah they had the same problem as lifinity which which i don't understand why because uh like orca has plenty of liquidity on orca and coin gets coin gecko supports orca pools so i don't know why its price would be wrong but it was and so like it had the same thing where in one direction the price impact was less than 0.1 percent the other direction it was like greater than 10 percent it just like didn't make any sense so yeah i'm still confused there to be honest <laughs> uh in any case like i don't really see it's it's definitely not a problem that we're adding liquidity so still trying to figure this out but uh in the meantime we're not like ruining ourselves in any way so yeah that's the update i guess <laughs> Oh, and the second part of what you say is, if we do, should we go back to buying back the Lifinity and Xlifinity tokens with the monthly revenue? Yeah, so if we if we feel like there's enough liquidity and we don't need to add any more, um, we could do buybacks. Uh, I guess the other option would just be, or actually maybe two more options. What would we, one would just be to add it to our idle liquidity in anticipation of Project S. 
And the other option would be to do like the uh, use half the USDC to buy back Lefinity and then pair the other half of the USDC with the Lefinity you just bought to add it as liquidity. So it's like a half buyback, half increase liquidity type of thing. Uh, and if you do that, then you're not adding any Lefinity tokens from the treasury, which some people seem to not like. So yeah, it gets rid of that issue. And uh, yeah, buying Le X Lefinity is always nice because Lefinity is often pretty cheap compared to Lefinity. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Uh, Junior Floyd asks, is market making profit confidential? Uh, no, it's not confidential. You can actually see it for each individual pool um, on our pools page. But the we don't have like anywhere where it shows the aggregate number. So like for fees, we we you know announce the revenue on a monthly basis, but we don't do that for market making profit. Um, market making profit is harder for us to calculate when we change liquidity in the pools. Um, and also like you know it just stays in the pools. So historically we haven't really had a need to like figure it out except for that one time we withdrew it for flares to do the surprise buyback um yeah so yeah so there, there is no aggregate number at least not right now but you can find the market making profit for each individual pool on our pools page you just have to hover over the net apr figure and it will show you the breakdown in terms of fees and market making profit. <laughs> All right, Ipromino asks, can you tell us what happened to the MNDE USDC pool? Yeah, so that was an unfortunate case where it just didn't work out in that um, price discovery was not happening on uh, centralized exchanges, at least not most of it. It was something like 50-50 with a slight bias towards DEXs. I don't know, 55-45, something like that. So essentially, it, it was like it just doesn't work to use the Oracle price. Um, because either you're just reflecting the DEX price or you're reflecting the centralized exchange price, which is actually the price that update that updates slower so like you're the one getting or eating toxic flow essentially so, yeah we actually tested it out for quite a while two to three months or something i think um but yeah it just ended up not being profitable so we had to shut that down uh and that was being done as uh we loan we loaned we got a loan of mnde tokens from marinade and uh, so we returned those, and they had been uh, borrowing Lefinity from us. So they returned the Lefinity tokens to us. Um, and yeah, that completed the transaction. It was like a small loss for us because the pool ended up not being profitable, but still definitely worth like having tested it out. And in the future, you know, that could change in the future. So 
Um, I think we still have a small pool open. Or if not, we're uh, like monitoring the uh, the Oracle price to see if things change. So, And the follow-up question, uh, can you tell us about the pools listed in the inactive tab? For the pools with protocol-owned liquidity, can we just close them, or are you trying to reopen them in the future? Uh, let's see. Let me open the uh, our pools page. So basically, inactive tabs are, uh, yeah, the name implies they're not they're not active, so they're not trading. Uh, some of them, I think, basically all of them. I don't think they contain any protocol-owned liquidity. Uh, maybe there's a little bit in some, but most not. So like LPFI is just external liquidity. UXD, USDC is external liquidity. Um, Serum USDC is just external deposits by people, as is Ray USDC. And GMT USDC, BTC USDC, Sol USD. Uh, MSOL, UXD, StakeSol, UXD, Sol UXD. I think those are um, UXD protocol deposits. Um, GitoSol UXD might be ours. And it's just there. Um, we could withdraw it. And then Sol USDC, I think, is our original V1 pool that we closed so that we could get all the market making profit. Uh, and then staked Sol USDC. I'm not sure if that's external deposits from a time when we had things open, uh, or if it's ours. But yeah, mostly external deposits. Uh, Follow-up question: What is the status on the BTC USDC pool? Yeah. Let's see, I'm trying to remember if we tested it or not. No, I think we didn't test it yet. Um, basically like volumes are low, as is liquidity. It's actually like, if you just look at dollar amount, you might think there's a lot. It's like a bunch of TBTC, USDC liquidity on Meteora. I'm pretty sure it's a uh, constant product pool, which means um, there's zero concentration and therefore relatively speaking like the liquidity is on the thin side um, which means we would have less arbitrage volume uh, yeah so liquidity is still kind of wanting as is volume there's not a lot of natural demand to trade BTC on Solana yet that could change one day but yeah it's just the current state of things and a follow-up question, are we going to reopen the pool anytime soon in anticipation of BTC volatility in 2024? Yeah, so it really depends on those factors I just spoke about. Um, it's not just dependent on BTC volatility. That is a factor, but yeah, you can't just have price volatility. You also need <clears throat> you know, li liquidity that you can ARB against when the price changes aka when there's volatility. Yeah, so... And then, obviously, it helps a lot when there's a lot of natural trading volume. 
<coughs> so you can uh, um, like capture uh, non-toxic flow from retail. Yeah, so that's basically where we are right now. Let's see, let me check if there is any more questions on Twitter. I guess not for now. If Pramino is typing. All right. Pramino asks, in terms of the team's priorities, which one is higher? A, adding new pools, for example, uh, EURC, or B, launching Project S. Um, <laughs> hmm. I think it's launching Project S, but like it does kind of depend on the pool. So for example, um, if Jupiter were, if Jupe was suddenly to launch, I think that would just like immediately take priority because things like that are such huge opportunities that it's just super worth it to uh, try to capture that volume as early as possible there's that insane volatility but yeah if it's something like urc then uh you know there's no <laughs> i hate to say it but there's no like insane excitement about urc launching you know it's just not many people interested in euros holding euros or like trading fx on chain so yeah it really depends on the pool but in most cases, I think it's uh, Project S. All right, well, those are the questions for now. I, I have to pee, so I'm gonna go pee and then come back, see if there's any more questions and go from there. So uh, yeah, let me take a break. <laughs>
All right, I'm back. No new questions in the Discord. Don't see any in the uh, Twitter chat either. So uh, I guess I'm going to call it, unless uh, Smitten is typing, so unless they have a question. In the meantime, thanks everyone for joining. Yeah, Smitten just says, thanks, Durden. Prominent says, thanks for another great AMA. Thanks everyone for joining and appreciate all the questions. And uh, yeah, it's been a wild year, hasn't it? Uh, the year start, started off super slow. Um, and things came roaring back at the end of the year. Um, that's truly crazy. <laughs> like, I did not expect this level of activity. And uh, a lot of you have been with us through the whole journey, all the way from the flares, or perhaps all the way from the VEIDO. Um, just want to say again, I really appreciate all you guys staying with us. Um, and, uh, you know, some of you, it's really obvious how much you cared, how much um, time you spent here in our Discord, um, working to improve things, even when there was so little activity, um, both for Lifinity DAO and for Flare DAO. So yeah, I just wanna say thank you to all of you guys. Um, it's been tough at times. We've obviously made mistakes and we're not perfect. And uh, yeah, even throughout all that, um, you guys have been here with us. So yeah, I just wanna say thank you. And I look forward to another great year with you guys. I think <laughs> this coming year will likely be uh, much more crazier than this year, if I had to guess. So, yeah, look forward to the continued journey with you guys. Uh, I wish you guys a wonderful rest of the year. Hope you get some good rest and some good partying. Get refreshed for another, another year of craziness. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, everyone. Uh, happy early new year, and I'll see you next year. Peace out.